Welcome to episode one of my podcast, Let's Talk All Things Education. I'm your host, Tim Moulton. My guest for this inaugural episode is Rick Ross, superintendent of Mason County Schools. Join us as we talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting the Mason County School District and what the future may hold for the district and public education in the future. So my guest today is Mason County Schools Superintendent Rick Ross. Mr. Ross, thank you for taking time to talk with me today. Of course, Tim. As I kick off my new podcast, Let's Talk All Things Education, I felt it was very important to chronicle how public education is being now and will be possibly in the future affected by uh, this COVID pandemic. What was your first reaction when Governor Bashir recommended to, to stop face-to-face classes? I guess initially, no one thought that it would last as long as it did. You know, we were thinking a couple weeks. Um, so the, the thoughts at, at that point were, you know, let's you know, switch to, to NTI for a short period of time and we'll, we'll get back to normal and we'll have graduation and prom and all the things that we were, we were used to having. Oh, how wrong we were it affected everyone at the same time and i felt like you know the students really done a, an excellent job in in balancing what they had to do at the end there at at the end of march with trying to do whatever they could to, to stay online with us and there was just a lot of of things whirling around and uh, i felt like the district just done an awesome job in terms of allowing the students to do what we had to do. And I know there were some, some things we had to do in terms of uh, providing meals, and that was, that was a, a large ordeal as well, trying to coordinate all of that. Speaking of, of all the different planning stages that, that you had to go through, ending the year was one thing, but planning for a brand new year uh, with all the things that had to, had to be looked at had to be just a, an awesome task for your leadership team. Uh, so if you don't mind, give us an idea of what the, maybe the most difficult part of that planning process was. Honestly, the most difficult part was if, if you fast forward to the end, um, was having the rug pulled out from under us. We were, we were ready to open school. Um, and then we were told kind of in the, 11th hour that that wasn't going to happen, but that I doubt that's really what you're asking. Um, you know, we had some time, um, obviously, to, to prepare, you know, once we knew that, that we weren't going to be able to come back uh, to school, uh, the, the first and, and foremost was what was going to be our plan uh, to safely and effectively have students back in person. We knew that, that we'd also have to offer in a 100% virtual um, option as well. But our, our focus was how can we run school, do it safely, and get those kids back in front of us as, as quickly as possible. Um, you know, you have to understand that there was a long period of time, months and months, where s- some students were never checked on. Uh, yes, we were delivering uh, food uh, initially daily, and then we moved back to weekly. But that teacher is the the first line of, of defense and, and uh, trauma 
situations for, for students. We have a great number of, of kids who kind of went off the radio, radar for a long period of time. So our goal has always been get kids back in front of us as quickly and as safely as possible. I know that, that when this first first kicked in, there was a long process uh, from uh, KDE in terms of really trying to put together what the protocol was going to be. At what point and how far along in the planning did, did we really get a, a real good understanding of what was going to be required of us? It was frustrating because that guidance changed daily. And we would, and, and it's, it's no one's fault. I mean, everyone is learning about the virus and, and you know, what's, what's the best plan. But, if, for example, at one point we were told uh, one student per seat on a bus every other seat. Well, a district like Mason County, you may as well just throw in the towel. We're not going to be able to do that. We, we're, we're rural. We're spread out. Um, and so then once, you know, it was determined that, that something like that couldn't happen, uh, they, they would change the guidance and we would prepare, you know, mask is another one that we were prepared for social distancing. And, you know, we communicated that we we're going to have social distancing and mask only when we were moving. Well, then that, that changed. Everyone's been great as far as being flexible, but it, it was very frustrating because people wanted answers in the community. They wanted us, you know, to do honestly some of the things other districts were, and I wasn't going to because I knew things would change. For example, we didn't survey the parents because what was the point, you know, in May surveying parents and, you know, do you want to have in-person school? And let's say 90% said yes. And then we have what happened happened and the governor at the very last minute says we can't have in-person. Um, there was question at the beginning of would virtual students be counted, you know, toward ADA, which is your funding. So why, why would you survey you know, do you want to have virtual learning? And, every, and a bunch of people say yes. And you say, well, it's just kidding. That, that, that can't happen. So there was a lot of frustration there. Um, the, the picture kind of came more in focus, you know, toward, toward the middle to, to the end of the summer. We were able to finalize our plan. Um, and again, we did still have to wait a month to implement that plan. You know, you bring up the point of, of communication and effective communication is something I, I felt like our, our district does really well. But anytime you're talking with large groups and, and, and the community, parents, and then to the students, uh, I understand where you're coming from in terms of if you do something too early, then you confuse the whole issue. Uh, what methods, when we finally got to the point where we had a, a good handle on things and our plan was was made, what do you feel was the most effective means by which we got the uh, communication out there and it was effective for us? Yeah, it, it was it was tough because everything has been hinging on, on what the schools do because parents can't go back to work. Um, and of course, Everyone again wanted answers, but when it, when it came time to finally communicate, I feel like the most effective um, process that we did was uh, we just put a, a Google slide presentation together, one for the district and one for each school on everything from, you know, our traffic light system of, of green, yellow, and red, and what that would look like in regards to the virus and school and food delivery and in-person versus virtual. Um, and then we had uh, audio and, and video that went along with that. And then every school did their own video of, you know, this is what dismissal will look like. This is what eating in the cafeteria, which mostly we're not, we're using classrooms, what, what that's going to look like. 
And so we kind of did a and and all of the above uh, communication blitz. We put it out on social media. We did you know, one calls um, to get that information out as accurately as possible. We also went on uh, the local radio station. We talked to the newspaper, uh, trying to reach as many people as we could. Well, I, I certainly think there was a lot of communication that went out. It was it was spot on as as spot on could be. Uh, at the time that we needed to to get it out, you, you know, you, you talked about not only getting things out to the community, but from the district level to the building level, the principals and their administrators uh, and the staff, teachers, everyone involved had to take the protocol that was developed from the district level uh, with consult through KDE. Uh, and then make it happen within the building. And then not only that, uh, they had to get the curriculum situated so that they could get it dispersed out to the students. Uh, speak to that to some degree. I know, I know that uh, you've been heavily involved in, in that as well. Yeah, um, the, where the rubber meets the road again is, is the, the teacher interaction at the school level. And you know, I, I can't say enough about our teachers as, as flexible as, as they've been. And we realized pretty early on that, that the pandemic was taking an emotional toll on everyone. Everyone was just kind of on edge. Um, so what we've tried to do is, is take as much off as possible. And as a teacher, I'm sure it doesn't feel like we've done a very good job of that. <laughs> but um, Because, you know, we're, we're asking now our teachers to teach both in-person and, and virtual students. One piece that we were adamant about was that we weren't going to have a, a separate um, – situation for our virtual kids. They were still going to be in the classroom with the hope that they could, you know, once their family was comfortable, they could join that class. They would have a sense of belonging. And that that's a huge um, challenge. And we, we task our, our schools and our, our teachers, most importantly, to find out who was coming in person and who was, was going to stay virtual. And, and again, that's something that has to take place at the school level. We're not large enough. We don't have an infrastructure at the district level to make those phone calls and you know luckily with with google forms and, and the technology that we have that that was made easier but you know it, it's been a tough situation for everyone it has and, and you're right we have been using the google forms and the and the google suite and that's that's really that was probably a lifesaver for us as uh, in terms of the teachers and uh, you know there's we're going to be looking at the at the end of this at some point, um, at least I hope we will be, and we'll be back to normal, whatever normal is going to be. Is there anything that that comes to mind uh, that's going to be beneficial, that we're going to gain some experience from that's going to really help us down the road after the pandemic's finished? Yeah, there, there have been, you know, some, some positives in this for sure. You know, number one, just kind of backtracking a little bit, we were fortunate in that we were just about a one-to-one -one technology district. Now we did have to um, kind of push in the service some retired machines to make sure everyone had had a Chromebook. We ordered early on. We're still waiting on on those new Chromebooks. We were lucky that we were able to provide um, the technology plus the hotspots. Um, but as far as some permanent changes in, in talking to students, especially when we were we were still 100% virtual, I asked some kids you know, what they thought. And, and many of them said, I prefer what's going on now. I said, well, tell me why. And, and, and they would say, well, I, I have a choice. Uh, for example, they, they could express their learning, you know, in many ways. They could do a video. 
Uh, they could do something traditional and hand, hand something in paper, pencil. They could do a Google slide. Um, that was something that, that those kids liked a lot. I think in particular our high school um, will probably never go back to how it was. I think that more of a college-like schedule is working well for them. We have, um, and you're a good example, that you allow your kids to do this. Um, we have kids that can take more offerings because they may take two or three classes virtual, and then they can explore agriculture and engineering and welding and biomedical and, and all these different areas they have an interest in and not have to be in person for a PE or a health or even a, a math or an English class. So there are you know, some really good positive uh, things that, that will change for the better. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk, and some of our teachers have done it in the high school, flipping classes. And, you know, with us doing uh, videos of, of our classes and providing that virtually, plus in class, the, the options are, are really out there for us to do a lot of things. It's going to be really positive. So, unfortunately, we had to go through a pandemic to, to kind of push that envelope, but it's a positive thing. I agree. Well, and, and it's something we've been pushing for, but I think, you know, it's like anything else. The adults are afraid of what, what might happen. Um, that there's just it's easier to go back to what's always been done. But you know, when you think about it, moving forward, there's no reason for a student ever to necessarily be counted absent. You know, if you're feeling under the weather, you could participate virtually for a day or two, not miss a beat. Um, you know, unfortunately for for kids, there's no reason to to have a traditional snow day. Um, you know, we can. We, we've shown that you don't have to physically be present in order to learn. Yeah. Well, Mr. Ross, I, I certainly appreciate you taking the time. I, I, I like what you said, especially when you have spoken to the students. And what, one of the things that I want to do with this podcast is also to give s students a voice. And so I'll be speaking with students and asking them, you know, uh, how the pandemic's uh, you know, really impacted them. I know as they come back into class, they're just so happy. It's so happy. To, uh, they're so happy to see, you know, the, the, the other students and believe it or not, they're, they're happy to see the teachers as well. And I know I've, I've been happy to see, see my kids when they come back in. So yeah, saw, there was, there was a time, um, well, it was probably the early summer. I was about the only one in the district coming to work. There was a few of us other than, you know, cost the cafeteria staff. You walk through the halls, it, it is eerie because there were backpacks that were left because we thought that we, we were coming right back. And it was such a joy when we finally, even though it's still not normal, um, but it was a joy to see those students. They've done a great job even with the mask and, and, and the distancing. And again, I can't you know, say how proud I am of our teachers and our, and our kids. Well, Mr. Ross, I want to thank you uh, and the district as well because one of the things I've learned uh, working in the district is is we have full support from the top all the way through, uh, and that's that's been a real pleasure for us to know that whatever we need to do through this time, uh, from from the classroom standpoint, uh, we're going to get the support. So thank you and uh, the board as well, and. Um, I'm going to close with that. Anything that you'd like to say to, to close it on your end? Um, I, I guess I, I would just say that I am you know, looking forward to the day when, when this is all over in, in the sense that, you know, no more mask and <laughs> we're able to, to come to school every day and know, know what's going on. But I'm also excited about these, you know, permanent changes that, that, that we've discussed and, you know, what, and, and that's one thing I talked to the principals about early on. I said, you've got to talk to your staff about what are the things 
that we will keep you know, even when the when the pandemic is over and that's our, our job in education is to keep moving forward and, and getting better we have all become learners haven't we absolutely mr ross thank you so much for your time i truly appreciate it thanks Tim.